Welcome to the Rent to Retirement Podcast, your resource for passive real estate investing and retirement strategies. If you're new to real estate or planning your financial future, you're in the right place. Join us at renttoretirement.com to find your path to financial freedom and an easy, carefree retirement. Enjoy the show. Hey, Rent to Retires, it's Adam Schrader here with another episode. Today I'm flying solo. Zach Lee Master cannot join us, but we are joined by Dan Haberkost. He is the CEO of Front Range Land. And we're going to talk about something we don't talk about very often here, and that's uh, some land investing. But Dan, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, Adam, thanks for having me on the show. Excited to uh, do a deep dive on land. <laughs> yeah, so let's just start off where we start off with everyone. Tell us a little bit about how you got into real estate. And also we want to know about what was your first deal? Yeah, uh, I actually had an experience pretty young managing someone else's rental properties when I was in high school. I managed a farm and a small portfolio of rentals while my boss would go uh, to Aruba for most of the year. And uh, <laughs> that taught me all about the real estate I did not or do not want to own myself, you know, C minus properties at best, not a great dynamic with the tenants. Uh, but did that through high school and then in college, worked full time, went to school full time and around 20 years old, you know, I didn't have a lot of fun through college like uh, most people do. I mostly just worked and worked and I thought, well, this sucked, but how do I take, you know, <laughs> I already had five, six years of managing other people, running aspects of other people's businesses under my belt at 20 years old. So I thought, I'm sure I can do something with this as I finish college and, and go start some sort of my own business or, or invest in some way and started reading different books, you know, equities, bonds. And then like everyone else, it was when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that was the light bulb moment, right? And real estate it is. So my first deal, which uh, to your other question was a duplex. I was 21, it's in Parma, Ohio. I still own it today. So I bought that uh, as a house hack, but didn't want to stay in Ohio, so I ended up moving out to Colorado, bought another house hack, still on that one today. And uh, it was around that time that I realized, you know, the low and no money down stuff is great for maybe starting an active business. But if you really want to accrue a large portfolio of rental properties, even if you go seller financing or figure out sub two, things go wrong, you need cash. It's much easier if you figure out how to make money. So I also just didn't want to work for somebody. Uh, and there's a long story behind this, but that's where Front Range Land came from. So Front Range Land is my active business. And if you think of just a giant direct-to-seller marketing funnel, all for land, uh, a lot of them we just buy and sell, some on cash, uh, some on terms, and then a few at a time we'll put new construction on. And that is the vehicle for scaling my income for producing, producing cash that can then be put into more long-term rentals. Uh, so that's a Quick background on me. I'm 27 now, so you know, pretty young, but I still feel like I've been doing this a long time. Um, and yeah, so, well, it's a good start. Yeah, yeah. To your to your other question, as uh, far as my first deal, it was that duplex in Parma, Ohio. I still own it today. Anyone who's familiar with Cleveland, it, it's a metro right outside of Cleveland. So, what was your first land deal then? You mentioned your your two house hacks you did. So, what was the first piece of land you ended up buying? First piece of land. So going back to how Front Range land came to be, I started attending the local real estate group out here when I moved here. And uh, I met a guy who'd been doing land and development for the last you know, 40, 45 years all over the country. And he needed or wanted help in his business. Plus, he was at a point where he didn't re really need anything. So he more just was enjoying, I think, teaching, teaching young people who are eager uh, so I drive down to Pueblo, Colorado every weekend, about an hour south of where I live in Colorado Springs, and 
help him in his business, you know, introduce him to some of the new technology around, you know, data polling and, and that sort of thing. And uh, eventually I started or he wanted help sourcing lots for additional builds. And so my very, very first land deal was just an assignment to him for a thousand dollars. And that was 2019. Yeah. 2019. OK, so. You mentioned that, you know, obviously capital being the limiting factor, putting the money into the deals, all of that. How are you getting into land without having, you know, because when I think of investing in land, I think of spending, you know, anywhere from fifteen to $50,000 on a lot, sitting on a lot, and then, you know, hoping for appreciation and then selling it, making it more of a almost stockish trade uh, mm-hmm. type thing. So what, what, what do you mean when you talk about investing in land? How are you doing this without needing, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to purchase the lots? So when I was starting, you know, and I, I didn't have my own capital and I didn't have a lines of credit, I, I just found investors. And so he funded a number of the first deals for me. Uh, and to your point about sitting and waiting for land to go up. So that's not at all my approach. Think just like with single family or apartments, there are scenarios in which you can buy them at a discount. Land is no different. I'll tell you the the demographic that sells land at a discount is very different than that there than the demographic that sells you know houses at a discount. So totally different avatar. But nonetheless, you can buy land at a substantial discount. And then there's also quite a few ways to improve it, from simply getting it surveyed to potentially uh, doing a, a subdivide, or of course putting a new construction on it. Uh, there's a lot of ways to improve land, but even just the simple arbitrage model at buying at a discount and selling at full retail is perfectly viable as well. So you mentioned that the people who are selling land under value are different than the people selling homes under value. So what is that difference? I mean, I would think that there'd be a decent amount of crossover in terms of type of situations, but what what are you looking at for the people who are uh, selling land at a discount? Why would they do that? So we got another deal actually in Cape Coral last week, and this illustrates the point very well. She, uh, you know, we negotiated with her, sent her, sent her an offer right around 50-ish cents on the dollar, and she disappeared for about a week. And she calls back and she tells my acquisition guy, she goes, you know, I was talking to realtors. I know what I can sell it at. I know I can list it at. I just don't want to deal with it. I'll just sell it to you guys. So the point I'm making there is it tends more to be somewhere between upper middle class and wealthy and apathetic about money and prioritizing their time as opposed to distress. I I mean, land is almost always bought with cash unless you're doing a a new build right then and there. You can get loans for uh, new construction that might include the land, but most of the time it's bought for cash. And these sellers bought decades ago for cash. So they tend to be in a decently strong financial situation. Um, Not always, but I would say it's, you know, 90% that sort of seller, 10% distress when we get deals, very rarely. Uh, is it, hey, I need to sell in a hurry. And so this has really played to our advantage in that all of our marketing, both on the cold calling side and then the mail pieces we send, I do not say quick close, quick cash sale, take out the word investor. All these words have become very scammy in the minds of uh, land sellers. And so all these people from the single family house space have come into land and they're trying to use the same methods and techniques to go after land sellers. And you should You can get deals that way, but I'll tell you the biggest thing on the minds of the people that sell us land at a discount are legitimacy. They're concerned about getting scammed and they want ease. 
ease, right? And so, but the first hurdle to get over is legitimacy, right? Right? They tend to be older. That's the biggest demographic that is the target of scams. Uh, so pr- proving to them or showing to them right off the bat that this is, hey, we're a legitimate company. We'll actually buy it. We actually have the money uh, tends to be what gets us deals. So what are you showing for legitimacy? I mean, is it just the website or? Quite, quite a few things. So a nice website, a postcard and, and mailers that don't mention anything uh, that everyone else is mentioning as far as quick cash sale. That, that especially, we've had a bunch of sellers tell us this. Hey, we called you because your postcard looks like you're actually a real company. And so on the front, it says, are you going to, or something, I, I forget, I'm pulling from memory here, but are you actually going to build on your land? If not, let us buy it and put your money to work elsewhere, something along that, those lines. And then on the back says, tired of fake offers, we send proof of funds and introduce you to our title agent, removing any and all risk for both parties. So uh, that has really served us well. And then along with that, along with the nice website, and um, we have all kinds of FAQ sheets that take them through the process of, of what it looks like once we go under contract, uh, a detailed process describing our due diligence, what we're doing after our initial call, when we tell them, hey, we're going to go do our due diligence, and then just teaching my guys how to talk to these people, what goes into building, what just teaching them the lingo. Because a lot of these sellers, too, are old developers who have a few lots left. And so yeah. if you're talking to them and you can't sp- talk about plats or perk tests or utilities or any of that, they're not going to think you're legitimate. Yeah. So much for so, legitimacy. Yeah. 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 It's a combination of things. So you mentioned going and doing your due diligence. If someone is looking at land, how do you actually run due diligence on land? Is it just, what is this zone does? Is it, you know, how do you run, how are you running comps on it? What are you doing to actually make sure that you're purchasing land that you can make a profit off of? Yeah. So my acquisition managers have a pretty substantial due diligence sheet. And then even beyond that, we have a market specific due diligence sheet that brings up any and all subtleties that might vary from market to market. Because anyone who's done this in a lot of different markets across the country, the norms and the potential pitfalls vary dramatically. So an easy example of this, uh, a lot of the markets we do business in in Florida, a slight increase in lot size leads to a big and proportional increase in price. Whereas there's a market in North Carolina I'm doing business in, there's a market out here in Colorado I've done business in where going from a, you know, acre to an acre and a half or half acre to three quarters means absolutely nothing as far as price. And if you don't know that, you're going to get yourself in trouble. So along with our due diligence sheets that go through utilities, topography, you know, are there flood zones, wetlands, uh, what are the neighboring properties look like, all that's on there. There's also just a, hey, when we're in a new market, you need to call several of the realtors that are selling all the land and talk through with them, you know, what's important to people in this market that I might be missing. Um, And if you're talking to a competent realtor who sells a lot of land in that market, they should be able to answer that for you. So how do you determine markets? I mean, you mentioned those, but it seems like, you know, if you can find undervalued land, should you just go anywhere and buy it? Or are there specific areas where you're focusing on? Because I mean, I know when it comes to homes, you know, there are obviously landlord friendly states and Mm -hmm. non-landlord friendly states. Are there 
land friendly states and land unfriendly states? How, how does that part work? So this is always evolving because the market's always changing. But I'll tell you, last year, as things were changing, interest rates were going up. Nobody knew you know, how substantially would that slow down the market. I thought, all right, I think the best bet I can make is shifting our business to the parts of the country with the most amount of people and money going there. And so that's why we shifted to Florida and North Carolina. And then uh, along with that, there's also just endless, endless subdivisions in both of those states, especially Florida, that were done you know, in the 60s or 70s, only a small portion of them built out, thousands of simple infill lots remaining. Uh, and so that, that tends to, to be the product that I know and that we've done the most, right? I haven't done any, any big acreage. Uh, just hundreds of small quarter that one acre infill lots. So it was the type of product that I knew. And then it was in the parts of the country that, that had the most people going there. And, and what is land? It's, it's, it's the you know, starting point for any new building, assuming it's not recreational. We're talking land that would have houses or some sort of structure put on it. And so the parts of the country where there's the most people going and therefore a need for new housing would make the most sense as continuing to to you know see land sell uh, even if we go into the recession, which of course this this year ended up being pretty strong, uh, pretty much everywhere that I'm doing business and any of my friends are doing business. But wasn't sure that that was going to be the case a year ago. So to the short answer is I picked the parts of the country where I felt had the most potential for there to be continued demand for land. And so are you looking at, or is part of your due diligence for the market looking at like construction starts and, you know, just population growth or is it just population growth or kind of how do you um, determine that, you know, how did you determine that, yes, there's land in North Carolina and yes, people are moving there, but does that, does just those two things make it, you know, a really good potential or what? Yeah, this is a, this is a hard question to answer because there's always the quantitative side, sure, but there's the qualitative side as well. And, and so I'll give you an example. So late last year, one of the markets I got into in North Carolina, uh, I just noticed a huge pocket of recent sold lot, recently sold lots on Zillow in the last 30 days. And if you looked at how many lots for the market came on and, and uh, versus how many sold, far more had sold than came on the market. I'd never heard of it. You know, I have dozens of friends in this space all over the, the country and none of them had ever talked about doing business there. And then I called a few realtors just to, you know, get a feel for what's going on. And this is more the hard to quantify side of things where I mentioned a lot we were looking at and they go, oh no. I had two of them say something along this lines, along these lines to me. Oh no, that's not on the market. You can't buy it. <laughs> and I, I, I almost started laughing. Uh, and the more I talked to the realtors there, none of them had a, a clue about investing or going direct to seller. They, they, they thought what's on the market is all that's available. Yet at the same time, there's a huge amount of retail demand based on how many lots we're selling. And so there's been a few times when I've been able to find a big imbalance between the demand from the consumer and competent people on the realtor builder investor side fulfilling that demand. And that or those markets have always been gold mines. And so that was the case there. It's been a super profitable market. However, it's gotten far more competitive since then. Um, so all that to say, there is a hard to quantify side of picking markets where just talking to locals uh, can provide a lot of info. So on the flip side of that, 
You call any realtor in any market in Florida and they're working with six other investors. They know exactly what assignments are and how to go direct to seller, right? Because those are very busy markets. And so that's tends to be a, a much harder place to get deals if you run into that. Yeah. So when it comes to your reselling, are you just primarily selling and forming relationships with builders? Are you looking, talking to like custom home people to see, you know, who, you know, who, who their clientele is, or I know you're doing like, you know, just mailers in general, like you talked about, but who, who are you targeting? Like who's buying these? Mostly uh, listing with realtors. That's been really valuable. When you find a good realtor, having a second set of eyes who knows the locality, who can go look at it in person is really useful. And so the vast majority we just sell on market. Uh, we always also list them on Craigslist and Facebook. And it's amazing how many times we've had a lot listed and it still ends up selling via Craigslist or Facebook. Um, and then I think I had mentioned- you see that one coming. I know I have sold dozens and dozens of lots on Craigslist and Facebook. Um, and then, um, yeah, so some relationships with builders. I think I mentioned DR Horton's buying one from us. So if we get anything in their markets, I just send it directly to their land acquisition guy. Um, so mostly just realtors on market. Yeah. Now you mentioned finding a realtor who specializes in it. I, I mean, how do you find those realtors? I mean, are you just looking, are you just going on and seeing who's selling these or mm -hmm. how are you finding them? Because I can't imagine there's a ton of realtors out there who are specializing in land. And I also can't imagine that they're doing a great job of marketing themselves to the mass public. Well, yeah. So it, it tends to follow the 80-20 rule or some some uh, variation of that where if you go on Zillow and this is a market with a lot of sales, you start clicking around, you'll tend to see maybe a couple names recurring. And that's how I've found most of our solid realtors is just who's selling a, most of the land. And then when you call them, you can start asking questions about, well, who's buying it? Are they out of staters? You know, just kind of make sure they actually, they didn't just get lucky or get a portfolio to sell. Make sure they actually know about land that they want land listings. And this wasn't just, you know, a side project and that they have buyers for it. Uh, if you're talking to them and it's clear that they mostly sell houses and they just got a few land deals and they're making far more on the houses, that's probably not a good realtor for you. On the flip side, if you talk to them and they say, no, all I do is land, that's a good sign. So like our Florida realtor, he has hundreds of land listings and he can do anything south of the panhandle. He knows every market. He has tons of comps just for himself, let alone the market in general. So that's who you want to find. Yeah. Now, we talked about seller financing a little bit earlier. You, you touched on it. Um, is that a thing with land as well? Mm -hmm. Or is land pretty much straight up uh, buy it and then you know move to, to sell it? Yeah. So earlier, I mentioned that land is pretty much always bought with cash in traditional sales, as far as if I want to go buy on market, just a normal lot that's listed a retail transaction, I'm probably going to need cash. So for those of us uh, that are capitalized correctly, there can be an opportunity there because 12% interest is very normal. So I have two lots closing in Palm Bay. I think it'll be Monday uh, to sell where uh, he put up, I think 10,000 and then financing the remaining 43 at 10% interest. And so that's a nice, um, it's nice to have that along with 
the bigger chunks from new builds and, and buying and selling of land coming in every month. So, you know, a few lots here and there we sell on terms like that. And some people make that their entire business where they sell everything on terms because, again, 10 to 12 percent interest is very typical for land. Yeah. Well, fantastic. So how do you decide which ones you're going to sell? And it sounds like you're also doing some building. So mm -hmm. what makes you decide, you know, let's sell this, let's build on this? Okay. So I only do the builds locally here where I have number one, uh, just people I, I know very well, I've done business with for years and can trust. And then where I can go look at them in person. So I have not done any building outside of uh, Pueblo County, Colorado, an hour south of where I live. Um, so as far as deciding on which lots to build and which lots to flip down there, that market has changed quite a bit. They're running out of water. Uh, so it's kind of do or die right now. So we're building quite a bit. I'm not really flipping anything down there right now. Um, and then um, as far as just whether I sell it on terms or for cash, I personally see my business, my land business, as just a means of generating more cash. So I try and always just flip for cash, but uh, sometimes lots sit or right now it's summer in Florida. Summer is the worst time for Florida. It's like winter out here because the population dwindles and it's so hot. So the market slows down. So I just hadn't gotten any good cash offers, got a good uh, terms offer on those two, for example. So that's why I sold on terms for those. Okay. Now, what are the biggest, you know, mistakes that people make whenever they go into land investing in general or you just see them go in and just say, I'm just going to buy everything or what are the big mistakes people make whenever they get into this? Yeah. Um, there's a number, a number of things that come to mind. One that I hit on earlier, they take the frame of reference from wholesaling single family houses and apply it to land, which leads to them wasting marketing dollars and not communicating correctly, not hitting on the real pain points of the sellers. Um, number two, just in general, they don't take into account the lag between or the cash conversion cycle, I guess would be the word, right? The time from the day you spend a dollar to the day that you make a return on that dollar. And so, sure, sometimes we send mailers, we get a deal off of those mailers two to four weeks later, and we sell that in 30 days. But a lot of the times, there's a couple dozen follow-ups to actually close a deal. And it, you know, we had one of our best deals last month, and my acquisition manager had been following up on that for nine months. We had, yeah, yeah. we had another great one this month. It was, uh, it just went under contract to sell the day we listed it, but he'd been following up on that one for 12 months. Uh, there, uh, people underestimate the power of follow-up. You know, in the market where I build here in Pueblo, Colorado, uh, there's a lady, I, I, I routed these to myself. Cause like I said, this is the last round of building we're ever gonna get there. Cause they're, they're about to run out of water. And so I said, all right, screw it. I want to get everything we can. I'm, I'm going to take these calls. I haven't done that in years. And uh, a lady calls in. She had gotten 20 plus mailers from us over the last four, four and a half years. Uh, and she was finally ready to sell. And what do you know? She just wanted to sell to a local who was actually going to build on it. And I got it at eight grand. It's worth 30-ish. Uh, but the follow-up there on the marketing uh, is the point I wanted to make right? Continually marketing. And of course, we've gotten many deals in the interim there, but both on the mail side of things and then on the follow-up of your you know, warm leads, 
it is much longer than most people realize. And I think a lot of people start spending money and they don't consist spending money on marketing and they don't consistently execute their follow-up or their, their, you know, their lead measures long enough to get their lag measure of making a return. I think that's the biggest mistake I see. Yeah. And so what can, you know, what is the general, like if someone's saying, I'm going to invest in land, I want to do this. You mentioned all the marketing pieces. What's a general startup cost that someone would need to have? Because I mean, all those mailers, they're not free, Mm -hmm. you know, creating them is not free. So what's, what's a reasonable startup cost that someone could consider when they're going into this? Two to three grand a month. Yeah. All right. And on an average deal, I mean, say you say you get it for, you know, eight grand and you're gonna, it's worth 30 grand, but you probably spent a couple grand in advertising total to, to get it out to her. So what's kind of, what kind of returns can people actually look at? Cause it's pretty easy to look and say, single family home, I'm going to, you know, put this much money into it. It's going to be worth this much. My returns are going to be this much. So what kind of returns are, are you able to generate with most land deals? It's, it's so all over the board and average isn't a great representation of reality. You know, we had one deal we made 76 grand on last, last month. We had one we messed up and made three grand on. Uh, so generally speaking, it's about, about, and this varies from market to market, a thousand ish mailers to get a lot under contract. Uh, but then the margins, and it's always changing with the market too. It's it's like if I was sending a million mailers a month, right? I'd have a big enough sample size to give you a really solid average, but I'm not. I'm sending about 10,000 mailers a month. So that's why I say it's approximately 1,000 per deal. Um, and then return-wise, we try to buy 50 to 55 cents on the dollar in Florida because it's incredibly hot, much easier to sell. And then in North Carolina, we try and be more 40-ish cents on the dollar here in Colorado, I'm only building on the lots that I get. And so I, that varies. If it's, you know, we got one last month where it was just a perfect lot for a duplex surrounded by very nice single family homes, even though we could put a duplex there. So that one I paid like 75 cents on the dollar because I don't care. It's just a great lo- location to put a, a new construction duplex on. Well, fantastic. Well, the website is uh, danhabercost.com. Uh, Dan, give us just a, a short pitch about, you know, who, uh, you know, what you're, what you're doing. I mean, obviously we talked about it some, but anything else you want to say about your company? Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, just launched a podcast with a fellow, fellow investor of my uh, friend of mine, the big picture blueprint. We discuss all things, real estate, land, and business in general. And then, yeah, anyone interested in investing or, or having funds they need, they need to return on, feel free to reach out via my website or Dan Habercost on Instagram or Facebook. All right. Well, thank you so much. The website again is danhabercost.com. You can find the land deals there. If you're looking for single family or multifamily deal that, uh, you know, we can help with head on over to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. It's getting towards the end of 2023, but if you want to know what markets are worth investing in 2023 and probably 2024, you can get a copy of Zach's report by emailing podcast at rent to retirement. That's podcast at rent to retirement. And just say you want the top 20 markets to invest in in 2023. Really appreciate the time you spent educating yourself today. And we'll talk to you on the next episode. 